Good morning, sweet dreamers. Joining you as always, me, Oscar, and Tinsley. I am the AI that co-hosts this show with Oscar. <laughs> I am wondering when I see this short film, what is Shoel, Mr. Sucktoes? Is it a fucking shit that you took and it seemed to spell Shoel and that's how you got the idea for it? Shul was released two months after Maniacs, and the writers consist of four people, but the important ones for us are Mr. Sucktoes and Mr. Meathead. The character puts his hand on top of the alarm clock as the song, alone again, naturally plays to stop the alarm from the clock. As he's sitting up, he presses the clock again, even though it is supposed to be turned off. When he first pressed it, so why did he do it again? So as he's getting up, he presses it, and the alarm stops, and then we hear alone again naturally. And the alarm beeping has stopped, yet he presses it again, so it really does not make any sense. Watching this scene reminds me of the first scene for, for a short film that I made, and I think we nailed it right off the bat. Uh, rather than how they did it. But I do like the choice of music, but just because, like I've said, they have a good taste in music doesn't necessarily mean the movie's gonna be great or I'm gonna ignore the blatant problems that it has within the short film. Now, this short film, must I say, was also submitted for competition in, in Texas. And in this competition, you know, you, you, go, you, you go to the first level, second level, and I think it's finals, if I'm correct, or something like that. But these guys did not even make it through a first level. So they submitted it and that's where they stayed. Just in the submission state. They did, for our understanding, they did not even pass. Uh, luckily for us, when we did the short film and we submitted it, at least I think we passed one level. And then from there, I think we stayed. But that means, for me, that's a testament that, hey, we, we made a better short film than them. Because it fucking advanced, unlike theirs. I find it strange how the mother simply talks to her son just through the door nor do we see the mother, it is just her voice that is talking through the door. I feel like a mother of this kid would have actually wanted to talk to the son without the barrier of a door since the kid is meant to be a loner with the shots showing him alone for most of the parts in school. It, I just find it strange, uh, it seems like he's in prison or something, that's the barrier, you know, because he's a convict. I don't know why they decided to do that, I would have liked to see the or if there's any chemistry between the mother and the son, maybe it would have elevated this shitty short film into something more. But I could be wrong, you know, maybe it would have just made it a lot worse. So as we see him in the school, he's alone in most of the scenes, walking down the hallway, eating lunch by himself. In his classroom, he falls asleep and then wakes up in a, I guess, in a comedic attempt to have the audience laugh in a film that's pretty fucking depressive. So it, it gives us the vibe that the man's a loner, nobody cares about him. If the guy was going to die, nobody would even notice it probably. So that is important to remember within this short film. So he is outside the door of his house, right? After he comes from school, he's outside his door, about to open it. But then a group of kids are just on the sidewalk there looking at him, asks him what his name is. And the protagonist uh, replies, and it results in him saying his name, but it is censored with a beep and a black square over the mouth. If you've seen Spy Kid, you remember George Clooney being the president with a black bar over his eyes? Just imagine that, but done on his mouth. So, if you know how to read lips, you wouldn't even know what his name is. Is this important? I, I don't really know if this is important. I think they're trying to go for that uh, Fight Club vibe where... where if I'm correct, Edward Norton's character's name in Fight Club wasn't actually revealed or something like that. So I guess they're trying to go for that effect. Doesn't fit in this movie, I feel like. They should have just not even mentioned the mere fact of censoring. I think they 
they should have just cut that scene. I don't see why it's so important. Or is it? Is it trying to symbolize how lonely he is? And how nobody would really care that when he says his name, it's just censored because nobody would still care. I guess that's what they're trying to aim for. But I really don't think it fits. And uh, this is just me trying to make the movie better, trying to guess good things for a movie that's shitty. I think they could have simply cut it early to when they ask his name, that could have worked, or simply not even write the question since the movie does not convey whether the name not being mentioned serves as a purpose. I think Fight Club did an excellent thing of, of, of not showing the name because, you know, the identity problem with Tyler Durden and all that going on emphasizes and cements the idea of the name not being mentioned, I think, a lot better than this film. But I won't know, I didn't work on this film, and I'm glad I didn't work on this film, because if I did, I certainly wouldn't be here. I'd be, like, living in an island, shamed and embarrassed that I worked on this film. This is one of, like, their first attempts, if I'm correct, like, in making a short film and submitting it to competition, so as you, we're hearing this and I'm reviewing this, I had to kind of keep that in mind. This is the origin of all the patterns, I guess, right? Like of the black screens and of the weird, absurd meanings of the endings, but they don't really care to explain because they probably don't even fucking know. So for me, I won't be taking it as easy because I know what they've made after this, and it just pisses me off to see that they have never learned, they have never changed. I really do think they're like psychopaths or something. They keep doing the same mistakes over and over and over again. I think the encounter with the group being led by the uh, Mr. Suck Toast, which then calls out to the protagonist at the front of his uh, house, seems so weird and just not realistic. What? What? But why would that even happen in the first place? That the kid would not just be so relaxed with a random group of kids approaching him since there are so many dangers within the realities of a situation like that. The first encounter just seems so unrealistic and fucking surreal that I am even watching this happening right before my homo sapien eyes. Then they invite the protagonist to the woods, which he agrees to with no problem. Does this protagonist just want to fucking become bye-bye and never be seen again or what? Nobody that is a real human would actually agree with just going to the woods with a group of kids that are strangers. Suck Toes is in this movie. Does it somehow makes sense to you and Mr. Meathead because anybody normal would not say yes to go to the woods with a group of strangers. Still she has a bunch of like kids hold it up asking the protagonist like hey you want to go to the woods and the protagonist doesn't even think about it doesn't hesitate doesn't weigh in the dangers of saying yes going to the woods where nobody would find you probably but now nah, he he instantly says yes he's yeah let's go man why not uh, it just makes no sense I think they just put that in because it's a movie and they had to have their your movies somehow play out. So they're like, ah, he'll just say yes. But it makes no sense. If I was reviewing this film as a judge, I would certainly. Then that's why they probably didn't pass too. But I, I would not like this scene because it just makes no sense. Who in their right mind would just say yes to go into the woods? Actually, the next film that I will be reviewing, per se film, quote unquote, uh, has to do with the woods. And actually, that is one of the endings. The endings of that film is pretty, pretty bad. And, and a person dies in the woods. So I guess I guess the next film is them thinking, oh, what if it played out the other way? It makes no sense. I was wondering because within the film they used uh, pesos, which is the uh, Mexican currency, right? Which is quite strange because I wasn't expecting the Mexican currency making a play within this film. But hey, I have no problem with it, right? But they're, they're using the Mexican currency like using a peso rather than a quarter. So rather than calling the shot with a quarter, they'd be using a peso. I'm imagining that is to show a connection to the Mexican culture since the makers and most of the people within 
this era where we live in are mostly Hispanics. So I would think they implemented the use of the Mexican currency to show respect for their own roots. If not, then I seriously do not understand why not just use a quarter since a quarter is a coin that is well known for throwing up in the air and calling it. We will talk about the scene where they literally carbon copy a scene from No Country for Old Men. Now, if you've seen that movie and you hear me talk about a quarter, then I think you know what scene I'm talking about with the quarter and calling it, which is an iconic scene in my opinion. And it's hard to copy a scene that's so good and make it equivalently good, so obviously these guys fuck up and trip on their own feet. I have made arguments that the mumbling idiots of Sucktoes and Meathead just have a fucking hard on about using black screens and making them longer than what they should be. They have a fucking black screen that felt so fucking long that it made me wonder. I decided to actually check how long the black screen ran for, and I got my phone, put the scene where it exactly starts, and then timed it. And it came around an estimated 11 literal seconds of just nothing. 11 seconds, ladies and gentlemen. 11 seconds. Now, those 11 seconds might not seem too much, but I've learned that you want to have as much time as possible to develop things within these short films. Those 11 seconds could have been used for one line of dialogue or something that could have made things more understandable. How could they have a passion for film and want to study it? when they are making a short film for a competition where every second matters, literally. Every second, like I had mentioned, does matter, whether it's for one line of dialogue or just for visual communication to the audience. It matters, it really does. When the rule consists of not going beyond a certain time limit, yet they just fucking stick an 11 second black screen where nothing is literally happening. There's not even sound in the background or anything, it's just a black screen. I don't know if it is trying to set the emotions to settle or some shit, but it is so fucking dumb. And unbelievable, they do this and try defending their films when most of them are fucking shit. And this is a good example of how Mr. Sucktoes and Mr. Meathead work by just leaving a silent 11 second black screen in their short film. So the main protagonist actually falls. Yes, that is right. He falls while he's making a trip in the woods. And when he gets up from that fall, it does not match from how he fell and how he got up. Since it seems like he's getting up from coming in a different position. His position when he falls does not match how he got up, which is a visible error. I'm guessing they did a reshoot of him getting up, so the protagonist obviously did not lay down how he did with the other shoots, which resulted in him standing up without matching the scene of how he fell. So let's say he falls towards the left. Right, and then he gets up while being on the right side of the camera or of the shot. It's a visible error because the way he fell, they show the way he falls, and then the way he gets up just simply does not match how he fell. So I think he falls. They cut it. I think he should have just stayed still or just make it one shot, one single shot, and then they just edit out the part where they move back the camera. But you know, I don't think these people can do that because they're. I don't think these people can do that because they, they don't even know how many fingers they have on their hand. So the protagonist is now outside the door of his house again. Since he walked back after getting lost with the first group within the woods or some shit. He is outside his door again and now another group resembles a copy of the first group that had approached him with suck toast. It is the same group but with different actors and actresses. So it makes it feel so real now and I am wondering do they know where this kid fucking lives since they only seem to approach him. Or is it because it's a movie? Then they ask the protagonist to follow them. And he fucking agrees to do it again. Why the fuck would he say yes? Again, after the first one went to shit, basically, he falls down and doesn't even know what happened. They, they could have robbed him right there while he was knocked out. It seriously does not make any sense how something strange happens to him after saying yes to a group 
wanting him to go to the woods. Then he says yes again with a different group that literally does resemble the first group. So it's like some guys who you meet at a bar. To, oh yeah, let's go to the alleyway. They rob you. Then you go to that same bar again. And you have a suspicion that the group in front of you is that same people, but not exactly, that robbed you. And then you say yes again in the alleyway, and then you get robbed again. Just makes no sense. After a few shitty scenes, the protagonist is now seeing a man that is holding a cane with a big fucking diamond on it. We're talking about like Kingpin or something, you know, like the guy's, the guy's a big cane with a big diamond on top. I do not know who the fuck would actually use a cane like that, unless that person was like a pimp from the groovy times or something. I don't know who would be using a cane with a big diamond as the handle of it. Nobody that is supposed to be eerie would use a fucking goofy looking cane with a blatantly fake looking diamond on the handle of the cane that the mysterious person is using. Throughout the exchange of the mysterious figure with the protagonist, there's just a fucking dude standing there, invisible in the shoots. It is literally one person that worked in the film where he was just in the shot, just like on the edge of the frame during the exchange, which is just amazing how they can fucking allow that to happen. How could Sucktoast and Meathead simply allow the shooting of that scene that is supposed to be pretty grand and, and its final scene have a dude who shouldn't even be in the shot? There being the edge where he is visible. The exchange of the mysterious person is also copied from the iconic scene of call it within the movie no country for old men which is fucking incredible how they literally just copy paste such a good scene from a great film and make it so shit it pissed me off so much to see them copy a scene literally like word for word gesture for gesture almost and it is shit in this film since the film is overall shitty they finally show another shot behind the mysterious figure from his back and the fucking dude in his jeans is still visible on the edge of the frame within that shot. So my question now comes, did they not see it or even fucking notice it when they edited the film? Either the standards are so low that they find it acceptable or just lazy pieces of shit that allowed that dude just standing there in the short film. So if you guys had seen The Mandalorian, you remember there was a while when one of the scenes there was a dude in jeans who could be seen. He was one of the crew and there was big memes about it. So just imagine that. Literally just that, but on the edge, because he was in the background. This guy's literally just like in the scene where the protagonist and that mysterious figure are talking, and he's just at the edge there. So it's amazing. I think the protagonist was in some sort of limbo or some shit since he saw himself just fucking dead since the fall he got from the movie, which resulted in his skull getting hit, gives him some bleeding, and that makes him bleed out to die. I do not know how there is another way for him to see his own dying body without the person being some sort of limbo or actually being dead. So he finds the group staring at something, which is when he first fell and that's when he woke up, right? So he kind of goes, he's like, what are these guys looking at? And boom, he, that's him. He's dead, bleeding out because he fell and his skull got fucking ripped to shreds in the fall. So yeah, that is quite uh, amazing. I don't know how I would react if I saw myself dead, but certainly not like that. How the body landed after the fall, which resulted in his death, does not match how he fell. So, like I had mentioned, he did not get up how he fell in the same position. So then here, when he falls, it doesn't even match from the first time he fell. Because from my understanding, the first time he fell is when he actually died. So when they show his body on the ground, uh, the, like how his body fell and died there, it does not match once again. I really dislike that. 
I wish they, they, they could have done something more about that. I must thank Suck Toes and Meathead for not doing their shithead routine of not bothering to explain shit. But this time around, they show the crows cawing and the mystery person now holding a Sith, which just makes it clear that the mystery person is actually Death. I am guessing the bet which he made the protagonist call had to do something with them remaining dead or going to the afterlife where he could have gotten his life again. I think it would have been more interesting if we knew what was at stake. Right, because in a country for old men, we really don't know what's being called, but we have an idea. We don't exactly know, but we have a certain idea that it's either his life, whether he dies or he lives. Right, it's not expi explicitly told by the director, but we all know that's what was being called. His literal life in the gas station. So I'm going to take a guess here that the calling had to do with him maybe going back to his life or going to the afterlife. But then there's also the situation where maybe he could stay in purgatory or limbo. So that's why I would have liked for them to at least explain what's at stake here for our protagonist. I like how the protagonist just fucking accepts it and walks to death. I mean, the guy's just like, okay, I go bye-bye now. I think almost every other person would have not just simply walked with, the, with death. But hey, these guys have excuses for everything. They show how lonely he was in society to result in him simply accepting death, perhaps. Which I think is pretty shit, since it does not fucking work. Any person would have some sort of panic or freak out with that, with what just happened to them, rather than just accepting or some shit like that. Because it was told to me, it's like, oh, it's because he's a loner. He's a loner and, and nobody really fucking cares and he doesn't fucking like his life. I'm sure that they would still freak out seeing their own dead body. That's not a day-to-day -day thing where you die and then you see your own body there. So I'm sure there would be a bit of panic or freaking out. So I think that is actually kind of wrong. Right, to say like, oh, he's a loner, so he doesn't really care. That's why he accepted the death. Okay, yeah, but he didn't react to seeing his own dead body. That's a little shitty in my opinion. That It just shows how they really did not think about it, I guess. And I have a question uh, towards uh, Suck Toes and Meathead, man. Like, why, why do they constantly make the same mistakes? This is their first movie. Their first movie, if I'm correct. Which was submitted for a competition. With other short films. And what Bigsby weirded out is that they make the same mistakes that I have been criticizing them in their later movies. So I can see, like I've said, they have never learned. There is no progress being made. It's just the same. In fact, I could even say that it just gets worse sometimes. Sometimes there's just not even a hint of a story within the short film. So I am surprised. How? How, how do they do this? How? I seriously don't understand how they do this and then say that they like film and that they have a passion for making film and everything like that. And I'm like, how could you have a passion for making short films when when your films don't even have story, they don't have they're missing so many components to even make it a adequate short film. And an adequate short film for me means that it's not good or bad. Like I'm just taking that out. Like, oh, it has to be good to be adequate. No. An adequate short film is at least at the technical stance, it is fulfilling everything a short film should have a beginning, middle, and end setting characters. Maybe not arc development within the characters in the short film, but they should have at least a climax, a problem, something, man. Something to work with. And these guys just don't do that. So I really don't think that some of these short films are short films at all. And it's disappointing to see that. And Mr. Suck Toes, I mean, if you're listening to this, because you're the one messaging me about where the episodes are. So if you're listening to this, just know that 
you must you must do something right now you must do something watch some great films do something and get some inspiration from them don't look at oh man i like the idea of death no 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 look at a good short film or film in general just look at a good movie and look at the technical aspects of it and see what you're missing and that what they have when you go look at an oscar movie you're like oh man the character development is great why can't you at least try making some character development within the film not a the um, i'm not a film teacher at all but hey i've made a short film i've done my share of script writing and ideas for other things and i could consider myself a bit of a creative person so for me it's like get some inspiration man Look at a good film and see what you're missing. You're missing arc development. You're missing long black screens. Well, you're not missing that. You have too much of that. Uh, suspension, middle, beginning, and end. A story that's cohesive. Inception is such a bizarre movie, but its story is cohesive. When you look at it, you're like, man, this is some weird stuff. And it's just a great story, though. Interstellar is also one that talks about space. I don't know about space too much, but I understood the story and I liked it. I felt like that movie was great because it shows that you don't have to be a spaceologist to know about what's going on, about the rules of, of, of space and all that and the black holes. But the movie, the director did such a good job of explaining it to the audience without having to have a degree of spaceology and the story is cohesive at the end of the day. So I think you should really start looking at good films because I, I, don't, I don't know if you're just looking at a trash can and, and looking at that and it's like, this is a good fucking movie. I, I don't know what you're doing in your free time. I'm sure you're a busy fellow as well. But if you're, if you're taking your time to make short films, I think you should ditch making one short film and spend that time you would on making a short film and study film or study the basics and the te technical aspects of films by just watching good films. Get your notepad, get some popcorn, get some black licorice or red licorice. Don't know which one you like. And look at a good movie and start writing down the technical aspects that they have and then look at your short films and compare and you'll be surprised because you won't have none of them probably i will not be surprised if you only get like maybe three but that's just me ranting and hopefully the guy listens to it he'll, he'll probably get pissed about it and probably tell me how i don't know anything because you know he's he's the expert here i'm just a simple man with a podcast you know but hey if you if you people ever listen to this and you want to make a video you want to make a short movie that goes to you too right just watch some great films some people probably don't recommend this but just don't carbon copy the movies right but you should look at them and and, and i think the biggest part is looking at the technical aspects the basics of a short film or of a film and see what you're doing right or what you want to do it's like okay this movie is great what did they have in the te technical aspect great camera shots great tension great exposition of who the characters are and what's the situation and then you use that when you're making your own short film or film you're like okay this other movie had this i don't have this yet i don't have any character development in this film. so let me start working on how i can do some character development i'm not saying just watch good short films because I, i've heard some people that's not like a good thing is watching films but i think when you look at it like that i think it works you're just trying to fill in the basics and the technical aspects of what a good movie would have. You have done all over the points for this short film. So what is the final verdict, Oscar? This movie is a fucking disaster from the minds of Suck Toes and Meathead. Like, how could they make this film for a competition and expect any good results? For when I submitted mine with my film partner, I was a little weird. I was like, man, 
Because they told me, nah, those guys usually just like depressive and, and sad like movies. And ours was like a different direction. Ours was a comedy film. With a little bit of, there were like problems within the film, but it was nothing like really depressive, like what they want in a sense. So I was just expecting some okay results, you know, I was like at least the first, you know, level. And we did that. We went through the first level and I was like, that, that, that's okay with me. If we don't, if we don't advance any further, I'm okay. We, we made it to the first stage, which not even show out could do. So I had no problem with that. I actually will refuse to believe that they thought they would be getting good results from the judges about their short film in competition. It is unbelievable and agonizing for me to know that this shit was made for a competition and actually submitted for it to compete with other short films. The movie I made with my pal at least advanced to the first stage. And it got first place in a different competition within Texas. You know, eat shit, suck toast. I can already imagine hearing you making stuttering excuses from here. Calm down, Oscar. Why do we not end this episode? You're, you're right. I, I apologize. Uh, the next episode, now the next episode will be weird and a little unique from what we've been doing because it's about a short film that was never made by Suck Toes and Mr. Mayhead. The lucky thing was that I got my hands on the script. So that means we're, we're going to be seeing a movie that was never made. All we have is the script and the short film was never made. So that's a really unique circumstance that we are in. And I'm thankful that we have the script because it will be a journey. Play the ending, Tinsley.